Welcome back to Boilers and Beyond. I'm Jordan Jones. The calendar has flipped to November as it is November 1st. It's Wednesday night. Boilermaker basketball just took down Grace College in the final exhibition hoops game of the year. And Purdue football prepares to head to the big house to take on Michigan. We'll take a look here at the season's final exhibition tune-up with some observations on Boilermaker basketball before the season tips for real, as well as previewing football's trip to Michigan. If you don't already, be sure to follow the show on Twitter, at Boilers Beyond. You're going to want to be there for the conversation throughout this basketball season. And be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I'll be coming at you twice a week through the end of football season. Probably will be doing a good amount of two episodes a week throughout basketball season. Certainly, as we get towards the uh, Big Ten tournament, NCAA tournament, that'll be the case. But be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss anything because we're coming at you regularly here. Getting started today, though, I am going to do the people, uh, give you guys what you want a little bit. Um, talk about basketball first. Purdue 98, Grace College 51. It's hard to really have some fantastic takeaways and observations from this game. Grace is a good NAIA team. I know they're you know number two in the NAIA or whatever. It's a big gap between what you see in the Big Ten and what the NAIA is. That much was very clear in this game. You know, Grace hung around early on, as tends to happen in these things. You know the. The, the team comes out ready to go. This is the biggest, you know, atmosphere grace players have probably ever played in. So they come out fired up. But towards the end of the first half, Purdue really ran away with this thing. I'd tweeted out, you know, I don't have the stats on it. And it's not as much of a thing as it is in football. But like when you look at the middle eight, you know, the last four of the first half, the first four of the second half. Purdue absolutely dominated that stretch of this game. Uh, Purdue really struggled. I shouldn't say struggled, but Purdue's bench came in early on and did not play particularly great. Purdue starters got off to a real nice lead. The bench let Grace hang around. I think Grace got it to four or something. And then Purdue just throttled them from there. Um Zach Eady and Braden Smith were both really good. And I think my biggest takeaway from this game is how important those two are to this team. It's, you know, this team has depth. It does. It has a lot of players that you can plug in and feel okay about having them out there. But what it doesn't have is a ton of guys who are big, you know, leaders, big and not leaders in like the emotional sense, but in the physical sense. Guys who can really go take over the game for you. Braden Smith and Zach Eady can do that. You saw how important they were because when they subbed out, Purdue did, and to have, it's not like it's some massive thing, but Purdue slipped a little bit. It's natural. Those two are really good players. Both played just 17 minutes tonight. You know, Purdue rotated a ton. So again, it's hard to really get huge takeaways from this, but those two were really good. You saw how much Purdue wants Braden Smith to shoot the ball. He was really aggressive. Nine shots in this one, three for four from three. He was aggressive getting the shot up. 
And I think that's a good thing for Purdue. Braden Smith has demonstrated that he's a guy who can score the basketball. And I think we're going to see that more and more. I would not be shocked at all if Braden Smith is second on the team in shot attempts this year. I really wouldn't. But 11 points, five, 11 points, what, where am I at here? 11 points, five boards, six assists. That's a pretty good day. Zach Eady, obviously dominant. You know, Grace has never seen anything like him. I thought Miles Colvin did some nice things tonight. You know, the two of eight shooting 0 for 4 from 3 isn't ideal by any means, but you saw some of the playmaking ability he's capable of. Uh, You saw him go off the dribble and score. You saw him get to the basket and get fouled, where he knocked down all four shots. That's very positive. He had a real nice block on the other end on defense. He did some nice things. For Miles Colvin, it's about doing the little things, though, too. It's about doing the little things well enough to be on the floor to be able to show off some of the things he can do really well. He's a guy who's able to play a little bit of ISO basketball. That's something Purdue doesn't have a lot of, but he's able to take a guy one-on-one. That's something you saw tonight, again, against lesser competition. So we'll have to see that against better competition than what Grace College offered, but I thought that was a real positive. Um, you know, like Will Berg got in, he he's got some buckets, but... It's not like there's a ton to say there. He's probably not going to see any real action this year unless something goes horribly wrong for Purdue. I don't read a ton into the 8 of 27 for three from 3, you know, 26% again, but you know, let's look at this. Zach Eady takes a 3. Will Berg takes a 3. Chase Martin takes a 3. So you take those away, you're at 33% because that's not going to happen in most games. Yeah, 33% still isn't fantastic. You'd like to be better than that, but it's it's better than 29. It's, it is better. Um, Lance Jones going three for six, Braden Smith going three for four. Those are positives. Those are good things for you because those are two guys who are going to take a lot of shots. But I really don't want to get too into the nitty-gritty of this game. It doesn't mean a ton. It was a woefully overmatched Grace team. In the big picture, though, you know, Purdue moves out of exhibition play where it got a great experience against Arkansas and it got a little tune-up against Grace. Now it's on to the real thing. Big picture, Purdue has two more games to sort through things a little bit before everything gets real. Purdue opens up with Samford on Monday. Uh, they're number 139 in Ken Palm. If you've been listening for a while, Ken Palm is my go-to for determining how, how good teams might be that I know nothing about, <laughs> um, to say the least. Samford's 139 in Ken Palm, so not bad for, for a mid-major. And then on Friday, it has Moorhead State, number 212 in Ken Palm. After that, Xavier comes in for the Gavit games, and then everything goes from there. This is the time for Purdue to keep tinkering around a little bit, keep seeing what works. Trey Kaufman, Ren, and Zach Eady, how viable is that together? It looked better tonight than it did against Arkansas, but 
that was Grace College, not Arkansas. It should look better. How does that go? Can you fit in some more minutes in some of these games, like you saw tonight, where Miles Colvin, Cam Heidi, Brian Waddell, how do those guys slide in? How, how much do you play them in games that mean more? That's something that's going to be really interesting to watch because there is real upside with those guys, especially with Heidi and Colvin, but they've got to be ready. You know, you've got to be able to trust them out there to do the right thing with the basketball, to play solid defense on and off the ball. You know, these, these are all real things for Purdue here. I think you saw a good amount of it in the game against Grace, and it's something you want to get a little more time with is Braden Smith not on the floor. It's going to happen at some point this year where he's in foul trouble and Purdue has to go extended minutes without him. And as I said in the open, that's not a good thing for Purdue. He is Purdue's second most important player. If you wanted to make an argument he's Purdue's most important player, I'd hear it. He is He's really good, and he is the true point guard of this team. A lot is going to run through him this year. He's going to have a ton on his shoulders. Get a little time without him. See what you're going to do in those spots. Ethan Morton was playing some point guard tonight. Get some more run with that. If that's the way you're going to go, get some more one. Get some more run with that. That way, if you know what happens against Xavier, it happens against Gonzaga. You got a little more time there. These two games hold some value, though. Against Samford, against Moorhead State, they're games you would like to see Purdue win fairly comfortably. Uh, Samford at 139 at Ken Palm. You know that's not bad. We'll see how accurate that is. It's for what it's worth early on in the year, but. After those two, Xavier, the Maui tournament, you have a bye game against Texas Southern, then two Big Ten games with Northwestern and Iowa, then Alabama in Canada, and then Arizona in Indianapolis. So from November 13th to December 16th, Purdue only has one non-major opponent in there unless it somehow matches up with Chaminade out in Hawaii. One non-major opponent in over a month. That's that's as loaded up of a non-conference slate as you'll get. And of course, you slide two Big Ten games in there as well. That's a heck of a challenge for Purdue. There is a lot of value in that. That's something that's going to make Purdue a lot better. Could it suffer some losses there? Yeah, it absolutely could. Will it suffer some losses there? Probably. I'd be stunned if this team went into the new year undefeated again or went through non-conference undefeated again. That'd be an unbelievable feat. But getting some, you know, getting some good reps in these games, getting some exposure, going out and playing, that's all going to be positive for Purdue. I had one basketball question I want to answer here before I get into some Purdue Michigan preview. Uh, listener emailed me and said, you know, oftentimes when there's a quarterback controversy on a football team, you hear the old adage, if you have two quarterbacks, you probably don't have one. And he asks, is there a chance that that's what we're seeing with the log jam at the four spot with first Kaufman, Wren, Gillis, Morton, Waddell, Heidi. He says, if any of them were really that good, we wouldn't wonder who should we be playing, nor would there be much of an argument for one of the others to see more time. 
there's some validity to that. I think there certainly is. I don't think Purdue has anyone at the four who necessarily fits that mold of like a Robbie Hummel or Vince Edwards. You know, probably the two most successful four guys that Purdue has had under Matt Painter. Both were really good players. Both got drafted in the NBA. They were both, I think Vince Edwards was all-conference at one point. You know, they were both all-conference type of players. I don't think Purdue has that at the four right now. I think Trey Kaufman-Wren is probably the one out of that group that has the highest ceiling, but I think he's a guy who's probably hampered a little bit by playing next to Zach Eady. He will probably be his best when Zach Eady moves on and gives him more room to operate in the post one-on-one. That's a good problem to have because it means you have Zach Eady. It means you have the best player in the nation. That's a really good problem to have, but it is a problem nonetheless. You know, with Caleb First and Mason Gillis, they kind of are what they are. We've seen them play a lot of basketball at this point. They bring value. They both play hard. Their strengths are a little bit different, but I don't think either of them is some, you know, transcendent piece at the four. I don't know if I consider Ethan Morton, Brian Waddell, or Cam Heidi options at the four. Maybe Heidi, maybe against a really small team, but I think those guys are probably more on the wing at the three spot, unless you're going really, really small ball, which you know you could do. It's not out of the question. I, I think there's validity to that. I think it's also hard, though, for someone to emerge from any of that grouping Outside of Mason Gillis, really, because his game is a little bit more perimeter-oriented, when you have Zach Eady down low, it's hard for another post presence to emerge down there, for another big physical body to have room to operate with Zach Eady down there. Purdue's trying it with Trey Kaufman-Wren. I think it's worthwhile to try. I think that's, you know, if you want to get out of a quote-unquote controversy, I mean, I think that's a that's probably your, your option or just Mason Gillis, albeit a little bit limited in terms of what he can do. Those are probably your options there. These are good options to have. These are good players. But I do think there's a little bit of validity to that, no doubt. All right, football time. Uh, Purdue, Michigan, 7.30 p.m. kick from the big house. It's a national TV audience as the game is on NBC. Michigan is more than a four-touchdown favorite. Uh, I think I last saw Michigan at 32-point favorites. The total's pretty low. Uh, I think it's at 50 or so right now. So you can do the math. A 32-point spread with a total of 50. That's implying a pretty big Michigan win right there. Uh, You've certainly felt it across the Twitter sphere and message board world with Purdue. Not a ton of enthusiasm about this one, but... We're going to talk about it nonetheless. Michigan has been in the headlines for the past two weeks. All of those are about the the off-the-field stuff going on, the sign-stealing scandal, the computer investigation into the former offensive coordinator. I'm not really here to talk about that today. Uh, We're going to talk about the on-field stuff. I'm not here to speculate, but that's certainly going on. Uh, That's certainly something that Michigan's going to be dealing with, you know, emotionally, internally, uh, the big house should be fired up. You know, Michigan fans clearly feel like they're being targeted here. 
it's going to be a fired up atmosphere. Night game. Michigan's really good. This is one of the best teams in the nation. Michigan's 8-0. It's winning games by about 35 points per game. It's been a weak schedule. There's no doubt about that. Michigan did not play a single challenging opponent in the non-conference. Its schedule's a little backloaded. It gets Penn State and Ohio State in two of the last three weeks. But you can only play who's on your schedule, and Michigan has blown everyone out thus far. You've got one of the best offensive lines in America paving the way for this offense. Michigan's offensive lines won back-to-back Joe Moore awards, goes to the nation's best O-line. It's not out of the question to think it could win a third straight one this year. Real nice running game for Michigan. You know about Blake Corum. You know about Donovan Edwards. Uh, Corum would have been a Heisman finalist last year had he not been hurt in the second-to-last game of the year. Donovan Edwards can create some huge plays. He did it against Ohio State last year, really busted that game open. Corum's got 13 touchdown runs on the season. That's tops in the nation. Not been the best year for Edwards, but you know, nonetheless, he's still a pretty good number two back to have. And J.J. McCarthy can run. He's currently the betting odds favorite to win the Heisman Trophy. I think I saw him at plus 220 earlier. Guy who was a former top 50 recruit, 19-1 and one in his career as the starter. The guy just looks better and better every week. Uh, eight, 18 touchdowns to three picks. All three of those picks came against Bowling Green, which is really strange. He's completing an unreal seven, 78% of his passes. That, that's insane. He's got some good tight ends to throw to. Colston Loveland, A.J. Barner. Uh, wide receiver Roman Wilson, 10 touchdown catches. That's third in the nation. It's an excellent offense. It is very physical. It's a very physical Michigan team in general. That's kind of been the identity that Michigan has rallied around during its resurgence over the past couple years. You know, Purdue did play them in the, in the Big Ten Championship last year, but this will be Purdue's first trip to the big house since 2011. It's almost unbelievable to say that, that you could go 12 years without playing at a conference opponent, but here we are. Um, it's a real good Michigan team. Uh, they're scoring 40 points a game, and on the defensive side of the ball, they're allowing just 5.8 points per game. Yes, that is less than a touchdown a game. Only 226 yards of offense for Michigan's opponents per game. Just five touchdowns have been scored on this Michigan defense. It's nuts. Uh, it's a real good Michigan defense. Great linebacking core. You got some good edge rushers. Will Johnson is an elite level corner. It's a real good defense. It's a really good team. You know whether whether they're stealing signs or not. It, it's a really good team. This is a legitimate national championship contender for good reason. They're number three in the college football playoff poll. That is completely justified. Hard to find a pushback on that. It's a really good team. Purdue is, to a certain degree, walking into a buzzsaw on Saturday. It's going to have to do it without Muhammad Musa. Uh, the left tackle went down towards the end of the Ohio State game, came back to play against Nebraska, then got hurt again. I don't know if it's the same injury or not. I wasn't really sure why he was still in during the Ohio State game. Uh, you hope it's not the same deal. That'd be a big bummer. But he's probably done for the year. 
Same deal with O.C. Brothers. The linebacker has been a two-year starter for Purdue now. He's done for the year. He went down against Nebraska, I think, on the first series. So those two hurt. Those two really hurt. You know, I think that's that's like six starters now that Purdue's lost for the season. Every team has injuries. You have to deal with it. And by no means is Purdue the most banged-up team in the country right now. But it's got a lot of injuries to deal with. It doesn't have the depth to to deal with it. On the bright side, it sounds like Purdue could get Abdurrahman Yassin back. Uh, he'd be a much welcomed return. He's missed the last two games, I believe. Uh, getting him back would be really nice. But at the same time, don't push it. <laughs> don't push it. This game only means so much. Uh, you got three very winnable games left. If you can't get Yasin to go against Michigan, it's not the end of the world. All right, three questions for this one. I do it every week. There are both so many questions about this game and yet so few. But number one, can Purdue avoid some more costly injuries here? Again, Purdue has three winnable games left this year. You need to be at full strength to whatever degree you can be for those you can't afford to lose more guys. Um, this year is kind of already turning into focus on next year. And that's not a fun spot to be in for anybody, but you want to finish this year strong. There is still value in doing that. Can Purdue avoid some more costly injuries? It needs to. Number two, do we see more rotation of young players? As I kind of said, after the game, on Sunday uh, in the post-game podcast. You know, this season is turning into focus on next year. Purdue's got to know what it has and what it needs in the transfer portal. And it's got a month to do that. It's November 1st as I sit here today. Uh, Thanksgiving is, what, the 25th or something? 23rd, bucket games on the 25th. So, you know, on the 27th, the regular season's over. It's on to the conference championships. And for Purdue, it's time to get ready to portal. That means, you know, I think the portal opens right after the college football playoff field is announced. That means you've got to know your biggest priorities. That's you got to know what you need. You got to know how many you need. You got to know where you stand. It's a very difficult line to walk because you want to get your seniors some action. For a lot of them, it's the last football they'll play. You want to get your experienced guys plenty of reps. But at the same time, you want to figure out what you have and you want to start looking to the future. It's difficult, but that's a big question I have. And number three, do we see a sign of life from Purdue's passing game? That's a big one here. You know, it has not looked good for the last month. Was Hudson Card injured before the bye? Probably. Uh, that, that much, I think the answer is yes, but it didn't look good last week after the bye either. Graham Harrell's got a passing heavy background. This is not, you know, some classic air raid offense, but you know, with, even though what you have, you know, you don't have the best group of receivers. The offensive line is a huge question mark right now with two backup tackles in there. But you want to see some sign of life from the Purdue pass game. You want to see something get schemed open, whether it's taking some shots downfield, getting some space for guys. You got to find something there. Um, 
you know, just a couple thoughts that there are three teams in the Big Ten right now who just play a different sport than the other 11. Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State. And Purdue will have played two of them in four weeks. That's tough. Uh, the Purdue's schedule this year did them no favors. This team, you know, as we know, it's not that good. Uh, just it is what it is. But the schedule certainly hasn't helped. If you're Purdue, you just got to get out of here, get out of there alive, as healthy as possible, and try to finish this thing strong. Because what happens in the last three weeks will go a long way in determining the mood heading in to what will be a very long winter, spring, and summer for Purdue football. Look, I I don't see how this one goes well for Purdue. It's walking into a buzzsaw. It's going to be a really difficult environment. I think Michigan is going to be really fired up playing the victim card. I think the crowd's going to be into it. Purdue has not looked good. I'll go like 42 to 6. I really don't. This is a really bad matchup for Purdue, um, to put it lightly. But that's all I've got for today. I'll be back here on Sunday following the game in Ann Arbor. I'll break things down and look ahead a little bit to the basketball game against Samford. We'll have some final thoughts on the exhibitions, some thoughts heading into the season. Anything else that comes to mind between now and then, I'll be talking about. So be sure to follow on Twitter, at Boilers Beyond. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And as always, feel free to send over questions on Twitter. Uh, You can also email me, boilersandbeyondpod at gmail.com. Until Sunday, guys, enjoy the game and take care.